Welcome to the Empowered to Connect podcast, where we come together to discuss a healing-centered approach to engagement and well-being for ourselves, our families, and our communities. I'm J.D. Wilson, and I am your host. And today on the show, we've got um, a friend, a multiple-layer friend, we'll say, um, who is a pediatrician. Dr. Lauren Chipman is with us, and she's going to talk with us um, about how to advocate for, for your kids in the physical medical space, but um, it is so much more than that. The conversation is. And so we are, we're so excited to be able to have her with us and um, to hear her perspective as a pediatrician um, and as somebody who also as a parent went through um, trauma-informed training through Empower to Connect parent courses years ago. And, um, and she describes the moment when she was learning about attachment and trauma and the brain and all of that even as a medical professional, how much of a game changer that was for her um, as a pediatrician. So uh, just a fantastic conversation. If you are um, a parent of a child with a medically complex situation, or um, you are a parent who is having to um, bounce in and out of medical care a lot or out of the hospital um, a lot, this is the episode for you to um, feel seen and heard and to, and to hear um, a pediatrician give some advice on that world. And so um, she's one of our favorites. We're glad to have her. Um, also, before she comes up, before before we can jump into the interview today, um, we are so, so excited to tell you about something that we cannot announce publicly. <laughs> so if you are interested in finding out what that special event is, we need you to go to the link that is in the show notes on our website. It's empoweredtoconnect.org slash investing in hope. Um, it's our first global connection event um, that is happening to benefit Empower to Connect and all of our programs. Um, we have a special guest that we are dying to tell you about, but we will let the website tell you because that's the way that we have to let it, let it happen. So um, head to empoweredtoconnect.org slash investing in hope, or just click the link in, the, in our um, show notes to get there. And uh, please do make sure that you secure your attendance at this situation, um, at this event as fast as possible, um, because attendance is limited. So uh, you can head to the link now. We hope to see you uh, very soon. And without any further ado, here she is, the one and only Lauren Chipman. Well, as we talked about in the introduction, we've got um, Dr. Lauren Chipman here today, and she's going to share with us um, all about a, kind of a pediatrician's view of, uh, well, everything. We'll have lots of questions for her today. And so also here is Tana Ottinger, and um, we're just going to, why, why don't we start, Lauren, by just, if you'll just tell us about yourself, like, you know, yourself, your family, the work you do, and then we can cut to talk about how you guys actually have known each other longer than we've known each other, which I did not know until a little bit ago. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm married to Stephen Chipman and we've been married for 21 years and he's amazing. And, um, I'm also a mom of four, I have four wonderful kids that are ages range from 15, 12, 10, and eight. And then I'm also a pediatrician and I work at Memphis children's clinic and have been there for the last um, five years. Okay. Awesome. And then well, Tana, do you want to share kind of the connection yeah. that you guys have? Well, it's interesting because we're talking about advocating for our kids, like with medical professionals, right? And so I think I, I forged my, maybe we met, I mean, I know we have other like social connections. Like I know some of your people like knew some of my people, like I, I knew there was a foundation for sort of knowing who one another 
is, but we actually met in the halls of the ICU. So I haven't shared a ton of this on the podcast, but one of our older children has has historically had a lot of healthcare needs, a lot of medical needs. We spent many, many, many. I decided to not be someone that like does tick marks and count. And I think I learned that that wasn't healthy for me probably during this season of my life. But one of our older kiddos was in the hospital a lot and has had a liver transplant with a cascade of secondary things that happened after that time. And so we didn't have like a textbook case. We were in the hospital a lot. We had surgery and then we were in the hospital a lot. And I would have to go back and look through journals. But I think I met you in the ICU. If I'm remembering that right, you were doing residency, right? Yes, I was a pediatric resident from 2007 to 2010. So, yeah. And that's when. Yeah, we were just like, which one of those times? I remember you being like full on pregnant at some point. We were in the ICU multiple times, which is why we can't remember which one. Probably (laughs) multiple. The times that you were in residency, what were our most. We were called a frequent flyer. So those were our most. We all, we all knew you and your lovely family. <laughs> and our sweet little guy who was just the yeah. fighter. Mm-hmm. He was fighting for his life. Um, but there there were times, I don't know, I, I have, I probably experienced that time when I think back on it with like a flood of emotion because it was so incredibly difficult. Like the, some of the hardest days we forged in our family but yet there was so many like beautiful, wonderful moments and times. And it was about the people like literally and truly it was about the nurses and the doctors and the residents. And I just remember feeling so cared for and supported by the team of professionals that were taking care of us during that time. And you would be one of those. Thank you. Yeah. And you actually ministered to me though. I was being pregnant and thought actually that I might miscarry with this pregnancy and you just opened your heart and encouraged me on a night on call where I was exhausted and emotional, but you're right. It's people. And I love that God helps us connect through these intense moments. Yeah. Yeah. So we forged a deep friendship that was a little trauma bonding because you can't be in the ICU where the sickest of the children are and it not be just intense, I suppose is a good way of saying that it's, it's intense. And so I'm still carrying that those experiences forward. They're still a part of who I am. They've, they forged Mo and I in a new way. And they're part of, they're part of our kids lived experience. So it is a, it's a treasure to have you on even just thinking about like, how do we advocate for our kiddos who've gone through a lot of difficulty and adversity because we went through that together and you were always such a source of encouragement to me in the middle of all of that. So it's good. So yeah, JD, I know I've known her longer. La, 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 I win the friendship timeline. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I mean, our, our, yeah. uh, our friendship is, just is really from our kids doing, I mean, almost every sport yeah, there Amos is together. And Tucker, the Noah and Luke and And I mean, I, and I've coached various teams of those. And so there are, our, our wow. young are both of our third, not fourth, but both of our third kids are like the same person. <laughs> yes. They're just the bachelors. Yes. <laughs> and funny story. They played football together last summer. They were the, the only two white kids on the team. And literally yeah. they look 
we would get them as their parents, we would get them confused when they're running up, like, who is that? Noah, is that Luke? Oh, okay. And so all the yeah. kids just used to like refer to Noah and Luke as brothers. And you know, they had um a fun time playing football together. But I would I'll be in Costco sometimes and feel somebody run up and tack me from behind and it's Luke <laughs> going, What's up, coach? Yep, exactly. So we, yeah, our, our family was all good back a while. Um, why don't we kind of jump right into conversation? Yeah today. And just so, you know, many of our listeners, I mean, Tana shared her story, but many, many people who are listening here, like have kids that have complex medical needs. Um, so Lauren, how, how have you seen parents and medical professionals work together to care for their kids as opposed to it feeling like an adversarial relationship? Yeah. So first I just want to encourage parents that nobody knows your kid, like, you know, your kid. And so I'm going to meet them for the first time and then maybe develop a relationship, but you're spending minutes, hours, days in, days out, all the things. And so go in knowing that um, with some confidence to whatever medical profession you're going to um, is good and advocating for your kid. And then I think really working with parents to figure out how you can have like a patient centered medical home, because if you've got a kid with complex needs, you're going to have to merge lots of schedules and doctors and, you know, physical therapists or speech therapists or occupational or counseling or in school and learning and all those things and lots of moving parts. So kind of even knowing, um, pulling together resources, how big is your town? Where do you live? What's all available? What can be done on the same day? What's too much for your kid? Um, trying to, if you've got other kids, there's just so much kind of going in like a patient centered medical home to kind of look at the big picture and write down, okay, how many people are already involved in my child's care and who all needs to be involved and then kind of figuring out what is sustainable for your family um, so you're not constantly continuity care is so huge with kids with complex needs. And so trying to figure that out, um, I think is a big, huge relationship between like a, a general pediatrician, so to speak, and a kid with complex needs. And so um, having the time to do that and and it's going to take time just to even build rapport with the pediatrician over time. But um, yeah. And a lot of in the Memphis area, of course, many of us trained here at Labonner and then we've stayed in our community. So we're aware of the specialist. But when you're wherever your city is and knowing what's available in town, out of town, is there a center that has a children's hospital? Those kind of things will be important to talk about. I think it's interesting. I don't I had never thought about the family environment being a patient centered medical home until you like, you just gave me language for some of my lived experience. Mm -hmm. I think about like that in terms of even like our clinic, like what does it mean to be patient centered and have like felt safety at our clinic, but thinking about that necessary sort of reordering of our lives for seasons to support our kids that I think that's really insightful. And I think would speak to a lot of parents. Yeah. So in the medical community, there's a big push for primary care, especially like, you know, pediatrics, internal medicine for whoever your PCP is to really be a place that's coordinating lots of care because we've seen how many errors are made when there's not talking and communication. I mean, it's communication is huge in anything. Yeah. And especially in medical care of a, lots of moving parts, medications, stuff that gets redundant. We're not using our funds well because we're repeating stuff with labs and especially kids. You don't want to poke them a bunch of times. Let's coordinate with this 
this doctor needs this lab, this doctor needs this. Even going to the OR, we would say, okay, the ENT is going to put tubes in. So-and-so also needs a hernia repaired. Let's see if we can get them in. You know, there's just oh. all those things. Oh my gosh, girl, you just spoke my love language. I can't <laughs> tell you how many times I, we would be going in for a procedure and I'd like wish I could write a prescription for them to also knock out the two other things I oh, knew yes. still had to come. Yes. Yeah. I literally remember standing in the hospital and being like, can you please, it's like two more stitches. Like yeah, it's just right. two more stitches on a different part of the body. I understood why it was a no for us, yeah. but even sort of those, I don't know. I love that idea. I love, I We're like that a lot and wishing it was even better than it is. There's lots of yeah. things that still don't happen well, but if we can have people talking and realizing, you know, we're going to put a kid to sleep, let's mm-hmm. minimize. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I have another question about something you said when you, you talked about like, you know, your kids best and you know them day in and day out. So how do you, as a pediatrician, appreciate or encourage parents, especially if it's, I'm, I'm thinking of a scenario, maybe you're the first medical stop when a family has a new foster placement. Okay. So a child's come into foster care, they're in their home, they're coming to you, or maybe they're, they've moved to a new city and you're about to see and meet a kiddo that has a history of some traumatic experiences or, or something in their past. How can we as parents set up that first interaction to be successful for you and the child and us? Like, I remember all I ever knew to do was like, write a big sticky note. Yes. Yeah. I kid didn't see and just hand it to the nurse and be like, can you please put this on the chart? And can they read it before they open the door? You yeah. know, and it might even be like scared of doctors, long medical history, please be cautious or, you know, just any number of like little warning signs because I wanted it to be successful, you know? So what are some of your tangible ideas? If it's possible at all, when you're making the appointment for a new patient, if there's day and time to ask to speak to the physician, can they please give me a phone call? I have, I'm a new patient, but, Mm. um, that would be incredible. And then to be able to talk without the kid around to know what you need to share. So that's kind of like an intake with us, um, yeah. how, how y'all offer online that there can be done. The other thing, if that's not feasible, like you've made a same day appointment, like this kid's got to come in today. Mm-hmm. I think that's fine. A sticky note. And then I can see what's comfortable. The, if I pull you out in the hallway mm-hmm. and talk with you. Or just I can write a note back or the provider saying, I will call you later and get more details. Because usually in a new patient appointment, I'm trying to go through and I've put my foot in my mouth so many times. Like, so who all lives in the home or the family? What's the medical history? Because I'm supposed to, you know, fill in my blanks and my electronic medical record and fill in all these things or even just allergies. And when maybe that opens up a can of worms because you may not even know yet what the kid's allergic to. And then it's just already awkwardness. Um, So I think the sticky note is okay because sometimes that's all you can do. But if there's a few days ahead of time that you've made the appointment to putting in a request to the the nurse line or to the front desk person saying, you know, this is a new patient, but it's a complex past. I need the physician to call me. It's excellent. I I know that you may not, you are not speaking for all pediatricians (laughs) in all environments. I know that. So I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm not being naive, but maybe what I feel encouraged by and what I think is important and what I have 
decided to believe to be true is that most people, like most adults, I know that they can get tired. Everybody can get tired over time, but most adults that go into the medical field to care for children Mm -hmm. care, they care about children. So like coming in, assuming best intentions of your medical providers, I think is a good, important thing for parents to remember. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We do. We love kids. So that's why we do what we do. Yeah. There's burnout. There's burnout in every field. Um, and there's, there's boundaries and pacing yourself, but yeah, for the most part, I think we're the nicest of the doctors. <laughs> to agree with that sentiment. Yeah. I mean, kids are awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Early on, I told my husband, if I'm going to be up late at night, it's going to be because of a kid. I'm sorry, adults. You are too well, complicated. You've done a lot sorry. of stuff to yourself. Sorry. Yeah. You're get a little, and they get a little cantankerous. They get a little cantankerous. Yeah. Lauren, I have I have a question. So let's let's say that you're, I mean, you talked about knowing your kid best and maybe there's something going on where you're like, I don't think this person is hearing me. I don't think the doctor is hearing me. They're wanting to push forward something that I know for one reason or another is is not right in this setting. And admittedly, these examples are hard to give because, I, you know, there's a, bil- a billion situations. But if if somebody is knowing, I've, I've got to figure out a way to advocate for this kid without being offensive to the doctor in some way, I- any advice for how to like bridge that gap? Are there secret code words we don't know that we can say? And the doctor will be like, oh, okay, go ahead. Is there a, is there a button we can pull out and push and be like, no, this time I'm real serious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my gosh, she pushed yeah. the button. Yes. I know. Oh, oh man. Well... To be honest, I really wish that y'all would come and do. I know. Yeah. Make us trauma informed because, you know, my situation, it wasn't that I got it in my training. Like the Lord changed my family circumstances pretty abruptly and it landed in my lap. And that's how I got to walk through some TBRI and we did some empowered to connect parenting through a seminar and that opened my eyes so much. I can't tell you how many times the Lord has used that. And when I'm seeing a kid and seeing a family and that's playing in and I'm like, I'm hearing you that I do not think I would have had if I had mm-hmm. not gone that with my family experience. So I think there's a huge need and even medical training for, I mean, we know all these aces and we know like stats and numbers, but then real life scenario of really how traumatizing this is for a kid to go through this procedure or this attachment issue or all these words and vocabulary and jargon that I learned as a parent kind of walking through things with how our family changed several years ago was not given to me in professional medical training. You know, it was more like, I don't even know the word, like standoffish. And this Mm -hmm. was like hands on. Um, So I do think, J.D., like with that question, like building trust over time, like it may not happen in the first couple of visits, but hopefully a year in when y'all come in and come out and come in and come out and there has been some trust, like I really do. I'm like, I'm not concerned about this, but please tell me what you're concerned about. Mm -hmm. And I think using that language as a parent saying, I know it may not be a red flag. We like that word. That's a good word for y'all. A red flag to you, but to me, this is a red flag. When my child's done this in the past, it has led to this, this, and this. Mm. Um, or we have seen this happen, or I have a friend who has a child that has the same whatever, and they have gone through this, and this was helpful. Like if you're trying to push for something and the physician's yeah. resistant to it, I think mm. that could be powerful, like okay. personal experience testimony, because 
And that's one thing I think with complex, you know, medical needs in a child, there's like a community. Y'all kind of yeah. gravitate yeah. towards people who've been through what you're going through and y'all learn from each other's experiences. And so that's mm-hmm. helpful. And, you know, I may see one child with this, you know, I may have, for instance, trisomy 21 or down syndrome. I just have a couple of patients, but man, there's a huge network. And so those parents, they know like my child's more susceptible to this, this, and this. And I know some of that data as a physician, but not as much as the parent is on top of it. And so, you know, gaining respect, knowing that they're in a community where that's talked about, they're walking through it, they're learning, they're more up to date of what, okay, this new recommendation just came out and saying, Hey, I need, I want to do this. I need these labs done, or this is now common in this child, you know, for this type of syndrome. You came in, I think one of the first things you said, and of course I honed in on it and I I can't restate it exactly, but you said, come in with confidence. So it's that idea of like, what does it look like to be a parent that comes into the room with confidence and kindness and respect? And those two things sometimes can get in the way of each other. So I think being a balance of like respecting your medical provider and then asking to be a part of the team with them in providing the best care for your child. Yeah. We don't like Dr. Google. So yeah. I'm say that. And it's so hard because I know we do it too. We look up stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. There's so much information, but it's kind of like in my brain, like I have this algorithm that you give me this symptom and I'm going this way with it or this way with it. And I'm partnering another, you know, symptoms or whatever, but a parent may stay in a one track. And so that can lead, I'm like, no, 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 no. But you went down this pathway, but we should have been going this way, but coming back up, like we both want the best for this child. Mm -hmm. We both care for this child. So let's back up and say, well, why are you so concerned about that? And some of it's time, you know, it's crazy. You're given, and y'all are too, this amount of time to spend with this one. We got to move to the next patient and say, sometimes Mm -hmm. I do say it's okay. Let's continue to talk about this at the next mm-hmm. visit or kind of saying, okay, we're going to talk about these few things today and then we can follow up or we can, you know, use the patient portal and send more information. Those type of things can be helpful too. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things in our um, ETC parent class that like we encourage parents to find professionals to be part of their team. So like if you are, if you are needing to go outside of your home for some reason or another, whether it's, you know, medical, whether it's um, for counseling, whether it's for other therapeutic services or whatever. Um, that's one of the things that we really encourage parents to do is kind of find their team. If, you know, from, from your perspective, kind of being on the inside of the medical side, you know, what, what can parents be looking for to find um, medical providers to be on their team? Like if you've got some choices and, and we know that's not the, cha- the the situation everywhere, but if you do have some right. choices, what are some indicators that th- this might be a good spot for you? Well, I do think um, sometimes personalities do play a big role. Some people like, you know, they say this physician has horrible bedside manner, but they're brilliant in this. Like if you're the neurosurgeon, fine, you can do this. (laughs) In other ways, like it really does matter the personality and who your kid's comfortable with. You know, I've done that with my own child. Like we've seen this person for so many years. Well, now all of a sudden we're past puberty and like, huh. I would rather have a female Mm -hmm. physician now going forward. And so I think that's huge. You want you and your child to be comfortable and kind of listening to them as they get older, how you might have to switch gears. And then, you know, listening such a huge piece, like we all have to be good listeners. 
And I mean, I think it's fine to ask. I do the same thing. Like if I have to take my child to see a specialist, I'm going to ask around like, Hey, who do you feel like does listen to you? Or who do you feel like you can actually get in with? And, um, and then sometimes, yeah, people who are like for our area that kind of know other professions that can help coordinate the care. So you do want to find somebody who's, um, you know, approachable, reachable in the community that has a good reputation. Um, And I know there are certain, I've worked in different areas for nonprofit and things as well. And sometimes it's so hard because you're limited by your insurance, but I do think there's a huge, um, thankfully, a lot of people do take multiple types of insurance. And so you can coordinate, but sometimes you are, like you said, limited to your area, the insurance, um, who's actually taking patients at the time, all those things. Um, yeah. Maybe my little piggyback on that from a parent perspective is like, maybe have realistic expectations of, and I don't, please don't hear me say in all at all to minimize the role of a good pediatrician in your medical team, but also like, let's have appropriate expectations of the part that they play in the whole support of your child and they don't have to necessarily be parenting experts or like they don't have to understand attachment to like help you find the support you need to like even maybe treat ADHD or something like just understanding they don't have to have everything, you know? Yes. And I, I mean, and sometimes I do think it's helpful to kind of have a pediatrician that's actually in a group because I know in my group, I'm constantly going over. I mean, I asked, the doctor I was working with the other day, Hey, I've got this kid today and I'm seeing him for this. And what do you Mm. think about this when I was pushing on his belly? And, you know, um, we all need to be constant lifelong learners, you know, and sometimes a group setting too, if you don't have a lone pediatrician that they're kind of feeding off, we're encouraging each other. We're coming to each other. We're like, Hey, did you see this that came out? Like we just saw that actually there's Mm. a new treatment for RSE that just came out Mm. and we're like, okay, what are we going to do as a group for this? So sometimes there is that when you're in a group, it's a push to keep learning, keep coming up to date because medicine is changing so fast. I mean, they've talked about it. Like by the time something's in a textbook, it's out of date. Like we're constantly having things that you just need to read articles because you're going to have to, it's going to have changed by the time something can get published in a textbook. It's just that fast. Um, But then again, some things like the experience is, is huge too. And like, I can say that for some people doctors in my group, like they have seen more things than, you know, we send it all to a specialist. Now I might not know about it, but I know who to send you to. And they actually treated it and dealt with it because there weren't specialists, you know, it's kind of like, wow, how medicine has changed. And so that's what I, I tell residents all the time that are coming to work with me. I'm like, some of it's not knowing everything. It's knowing what's normal and what you don't know. And then how to go find help or know, okay, I need to refer you elsewhere to get more of it. Cause we're not going to be able to keep up with everything. Yeah. Like you just can't, nobody can keep up with everything in every field. And so. Maybe and it's interesting. Well, I think as a parent, I'm like hearing that you are okay. Not knowing everything brings me to rest. Yes. Like I wouldn't want to be seeing a doctor that is pretending to know it all. Actually, right. that doesn't bring felt safety to me. Yes. Yeah. Well, I can't tell you. There's been numerous times that I can tell I've taught a parent. It's like, I do not know what's going on, but I do know the God who do knows. And can we stop and pray for a moment yeah. and just ask God to, Hey, what do we need to do? Know what's the next steps? What needs to be ordered? What lives need to be done? 
Um, because, you know, arrogance and pride, that's going to be our downfall. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to lead us anywhere. So, yeah. Um, from all of our perspectives. So, yes. <laughs> and I, as a parent, don't know it all either. So maybe that's mutual humility in the care of a child. Okay, that's, yeah. Well, that's what like we're a about. really powerful thing. <laughs> What's that, Shady? <laughs> that's where we're all different. That's where we are different. I do walk in knowing what needs. To, I've, I've got Google and I walk in with the idea. I know what needs to be done. Just kidding. Yeah. Um, okay. So as we kind of start to wrap up here, quick hitter questions. We've we've done this in an in informal way before, but we're, we're going to start just kind of asking these questions at the end um, to all of our guests. So you're the first one, Lauren. So buckle up. Um, all right. Or one, what are you watching, reading, or listening to right now? Do not watch anything. <laughs> oh, I, well, I'm not going to forget about that. Practice. <laughs> I watch my children. No, seriously, listening, I, um, well, it's really sad, but we are all going to go so much with all these kids. So I really do try when, when I have a kid by themselves in the car, like I was really encouraged by people who are parenting older than me and, um, I take that time to kind of listen to that one kid in the car for the moment. And then the only thing I'm else really listening to is I'm going my own chronological um, reading plan through the Bible because I can't do it in a year. So I made my own two and a half year plan with four other ladies. That's awesome. And that's been really good because uh, the Psalms have been so sweet because it pairs it with where David is and realizing that. So, and how he's, you know, being really chased for his life by Saul and, I don't know. That has been, that's really what I'm listening to right now. Right. And then the Bible recap with Tara Lee Cobble, but she's the oh, yeah. It. And so really thinking about that and how patient God is like, David keeps going back. Are you sure you want me to attack the Philistines? And then he goes back and talks to his comrades and like, no, we're not going. He's like, let me go talk to God again. And then comes back and he's like, no, yeah, go. Y'all attack the Philistines. I'm going to give them victory. And I'm like, thanks God. I'm glad you're so patient. Help me be patient when my kids come back to me again. You sure mom, you want me to do this? <laughs> when I have to go listen to them in the car again. I'm just <laughs> so sometimes I'm listening to silence too, because if I get a moment with no kid, I'm, like, yeah. I'm just going to sit there. <laughs> All right. Second question. You're inviting somebody over for a meal, dead or alive. Uh, and that could be in your life or famous uh, for everybody. Who are you bringing over and what are you cooking? I'm the worst person to have if you're on a trivia team because I know no alive people. <laughs> no alive people. I know nobody that's currently alive. <laughs> no <laughs> famous alive people like movie stars, songs. No, like my husband's like, what? You don't know who that is. I'm like, no. So seriously, I was, I would think, um, hmm. this is because I was listening to an audio book with my child with dyslexia, Corinton Boone. <laughs> Okay. I, mean, I listened to that recently and I was like, man, I wish I know that knew this woman. She's amazing. That's awesome. So, and what would y'all, what, what meal would it be? Breakfast, lunch, dinner? I'll let uh, you off the hook with that question instead. <laughs> you know what? I would do breakfast for dinner because my husband never wants to do that because he doesn't think it's real meat and he's like, got to have meat at night. And that is breakfast meat is not real meat. I'm like, what? We just like turkey bacon don't count at dinner. (laughs) It does not count at dinner. (laughs) When I was growing up. So that's nostalgic for me. Like we had breakfast for dinner. Breakfast for dinner with Corey Ten Boone. Yep. Uh, All right. And then what, and you kind of alluded to this a little bit, but what, what's giving you life right now? Oh, no, you know what? There is something that for the last oh, 
six years, I think I have a dear friend that we, we wouldn't call it run. We jog Monday, Wednesday, Friday mornings. And if I did not have that, I would be a crazy woman. Yeah. So I have 30, 40 minutes that we jog around our midtown home. And that is a huge time just to talk adult talk and pray and scream and fuss about whatever in life and still get some exercise and mental, you know, we're complex beings with all this mental, spiritual, emotional, physical. Yeah. And man, that's, that's these kiddos and we too, we need it. Awesome. I love that. that. That's it. You're off the hook. It's been, um, it's just been a pleasure like getting to see you and, and just grateful for our lives. We've been together all those years ago and, and the way you've just continually faithfully cared for the children of our community. So I admire you so much. So thanks for bringing your sweet, thoughtful, humble, reflective self to the podcast today. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah, just great stuff with Dr. Chipman. Thank you. Uh, a huge thank you to her for coming. Um, we, uh, I'll say we, the Wilsons are huge fans of the Chipmans, all of them. Um, we've been friends with them for a very long time and I know that the Ottingers are as well and have a special place in their heart um, for her and the way they cared for for them when in the hospital. So I uh, just a huge thank you for, for her for jumping in. Um, and hopefully that was a very helpful episode for you just as a parent, learning how to navigate that medical world and, um, and uh, learning how to advocate for our kids there. So without any further ado, I do want to remind you one more time to go check out our event. It is coming. It's called investing in hope. You can find information about it on empoweredtoconnect.org slash investing in hope. You can click the link in our show notes if you need more. Uh, without being able to um, say more, I will just say we are so excited and you'll see why once you click the link, if you know what we're talking about. So <laughs> too cryptic, I know, but you got to go to the website to find out. So all that said, that's it for us today. Um, for Kyle Wright, who edits and engineers all of our audio, for Tad Jewett, the creator of the music behind the Empower to Connect podcast, and everybody here at ETC, I'm JD Wilson, and we'll see you next week on the Empower to Connect podcast. <laughs> <laughs>